Now, we do want to especially welcome all of you tonight to the house of God, and we thank you for coming, and we pray that God will richly bless you and undertake for you in this time. We're especially delighted to have the Monteith family with us, and we do want to thank them for coming, and we've been looking forward to it, and um, we're going to ask them now if they'll maybe come. They're going to sing two pieces and then they're going to take part later on in the service. So thank you, Stanley.
Well, it's lovely to be back with you um, here in Cardiff, Killing Year. This is our first time in your new building, and it's absolutely beautiful. Just I know we've been here for a while now, but it's our first time, so we'll congratulate you all over again. But um, it's really, really lovely. And our next piece is, is probably a challenge to a church that has uh, taken a step out in, in faith and, and is wanting to be a beacon of light in their area. And it's really to challenge your hearts personally that does it really make any difference to you? You have a lovely church here, and there's a multitude of lost people in carried off that you need to see in here and that you need to see one for Christ. And this wee song just challenges us as to how we feel about the lost and how we might feel on eternity if we have lost, if we've won them for Christ. <clears throat> challenge that second piece in particular. Um, <clears throat> at this point we'll read from the scriptures and then I have a few announcements and we'll sing an offering hymn and, and the Monteith family will be ministering to us again. Uh, turn with it, me this evening to Genesis chapter 4. 
For those who are visiting with us, last Sunday evening I attempted to preach on the subject, the way of Cain. And there was so much unsaid that I felt we will take a second go at the subject of preaching about Cain. So we're going to turn tonight to Genesis chapter 4 and we're going to read the first 15 verses. Genesis chapter 4, follow with me in your Bible. Let's hear the word of the Lord. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten the man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou dost not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now thou art cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tellest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shall thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. Amen. We'll end the reading there at verse 15. And we pray that the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now again, as you've heard me saying already, we are especially glad to welcome the Monteith family. As Malcolm has already said, this is the first time that they've been in the new church building and we pray that it will not be their last. We do thank him for the lovely kind sentiment that he expressed and we are so thankful to God. In fact, I said to somebody just the other day, you know, if, if we were given a choice and told right now you've got to come out of that new building and go back into the schoolhouse, how many of us would actually be looking forward to that with relish and glee? I don't think there'd be anyone here 
Uh, the Lord has blessed us and we're thankful to God for that. I want to thank you as a family for coming and uh, we're looking forward now for these next two pieces that you're going to sing. The Lord bless you. Thank you this evening.
again, we do thank the Lord for this ministry and song, and we appreciate that very, very much this evening. Amen. Now, my text this evening is taken from Genesis chapter 4, and in the verse 13, it reads in the scriptures, And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. And I want us to think tonight of the theme entitled, The Roar of a Ruined Rabble. See, Genesis 4 introduces us to the very first family in the Bible. And the first family was from the farming community. Remember, Adam was a gardener looking after the plants and the trees outside of Eden. Uh, Abel, of course, well, he was a sheep farmer looking after the lambs and the yews and the rams of the flock. Cain, we're told, was a tiller of the ground, a, a, a fruit grower, a, a grower of crops. Now, when Cain and Abel was born, uh, I, I want you to understand that the world had been marred by sin. The world that they were born into was marred by sin. Prior to the fall, Adam and Eve lived in a perfect environment, uh, one of happiness and harmony. They enjoyed communion with God. They enjoyed fellowship with each other. It was really a perfect world. And then when our first parents sinned, the world became a different place. For the Bible says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And remember, when you're reading your Bible, between Genesis chapter 2 and 4 is Genesis 3. And Genesis 3 records the record of the fall into a state of sin and misery. Now, then in God's time, Eve gave birth to her firstborn son. She was overjoyed. She said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. I believe Eve was thrilled at the revival of uh, her newborn son. She rejoiced, no doubt, in her heart and mind at the provision of God and the goodness of God to her personally. And I have no doubt she believed that Cain was the promised seed, a promise, of course, that she believed in. Uh, it's, it's possible, of course, that Cain and Abel uh, were twins. For when you read the Bible, it, it says, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. And it says, and she again bare his brother Abel. There's no mention here of conception. So it's possible that Cain was born first and then Abel was born secondly. So, so you can imagine her joy. You can think of her excitement tonight. God had told her she's going to be fruitful and multiply. And now it comes to pass. Here she's giving birth to twin boys. The name Cain means possession or got or, or acquired. Eve believed that she had got, acquired, the son of promise. Now there's 25 references to the word Cain in the Bible. Genesis 4, Hebrews 11 and 4, 1 John 3 and 12, Jude 11. It's interesting that 13 of these are found in Genesis 4. Isn't it interesting? 13 is the number of apostasy. Cain's the firstborn. Cain's the first farmer. Cain's the first rebel toward God. God's word, God's way, God's will, God's worship. I remember the Bible talks about the way of Cain. We preached in that last night. But, but sadly, Cain also became the first murderer. He, he, he murdered his brother in cold blood. 
Um, the Bible tells us in the uh, book of Hebrews, in Hebrews 11 and verse 4, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. C can you imagine tonight Eve's dream and hope for her boys? And that now that hope and dream turns to a nightmare. These boys come from the same parents. They're in the same family. They have the same privileges. They have the same precepts and instruction on how to approach God given to them. And yet one of them accepted the right way, while the other rejected that right way. One boy turned to God in faith in the ground of the shed blood of the Lamb and was accepted by God and declared righteous. And the other boy, sadly, he rejected the way of faith on the ground of the shed blood and was rejected by God. One boy was declared righteous and the other was, were told, well, he was wicked. One boy's in a right relationship with God. His brother is off that wicked one. He's guilty of wicked works. And in Genesis 4 and 5, when God rejected Cain's offering, we are told he was very wroth and his countenance fell. You think of that tonight. God's refusal of Cain's offering ignited a flame of wrath in his heart and mind. Here's the state in which we find the man. His face was contorted with anger. He, he, he went into a, a blazing rage. If you read verses 6 and 7 very carefully, you'll discover God speaking kindly and mercifully to this man. The Lord, I believe, made to Cain a sweet, lovely appeal. Isn't this remarkable? Look at the double Y in verse 6. Why are you wroth? Why is your countenance fallen? Notice the double if in verse 7. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And then notice the other if. If thou dost not well. You see, God is dealing with the king. I, I, I want you to notice what he said, even at the end there of verse 7. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. But Cain was filled with self-will. Cain's full of human reasoning. Cain has got a, a stubborn rebelliousness in his heart. So much so that he invited his brother to go for a walk in the field. They had a talk together. And Cain murdered Abel in cold blood in the field. He was questioned by God. Where is Abel thy brother? He asked, am I my brother's keeper? God said to him, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood cries to me from the ground. And from verse 11 onwards, God cursed Cain. Cain received a temporal punishment. The ground was cursed. Cain was given a spiritual punishment. He was to be a fugitive and vagabond in the earth, cut off from the face of the Lord. And I believe as well, Cain, because he was off that wicked one and the first murderer, he was also given an eternal punishment. He was cut off from the face of the Lord, not only literally, but uh, eternally and spiritually. And here he is crying out in verse 13. And Cain said unto the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Literally, my iniquity is greater than that. I want you to think tonight of what I've said. The roar of a ruined rabble. See, he was complaining the sentence is too harsh. 
It's too severe. Mine iniquity is greater than that, so it may be forgiven. That's the thought in his mind. Now, now keep that thought in mind because I want to show you three things uh, from this text of Scripture. I want you to think, first of all, about a righteous punishment. See, Cain talks about my punishment. The punishment that God had imposed upon him of a temporal, spiritual, and eternal nature was a righteous one. See, remember, God had already pleaded with him. God had questioned him. Why art thy wrath? Why has thy countenance fallen? God had instructed him, If thou dost well, shalt thou not be accepted? God had warned him, If thou dost not well, sin lieth at the door. You see, here's the question. Does God plead with man? I believe he does. Is, is he not speaking to Cain? Two questions in verse 6. Why are you wroth? Why is your face filled with anger? You see, God's really coming to Cain and saying, Cain, you have anger in your heart. And you have anger in your heart because you're really a rebel at heart. And Cain, that rebelliousness, that anger is going to destroy you. And, and can you give me an explanation for it? Cain, what's wrong with you? See, there was nothing wrong with the revelation that Cain had been given. Nothing wrong with being taught how to worship and approach God acceptably. Um, there, were, there was nothing wrong with the revelation of God to Cain's soul. I believe here's God pleading in mercy with, with a man who's a sinner. Does, does God plead with lost, guilty sinners? The answer is yes. Because God's approach here to Cain is one of tenderness. One of mercy. I believe the Lord is not ashamed of the appeal of the gospel towards sinful men. Cain, God says, has to give me a reason. Why Cain persists in an ungodly state? See, see, we're being taught here how God deals with sinners. Call is calling Cain and you to realize your sinnership, to, to repent of that lifestyle. And God is asking for an explanation. Why live in folly? Why go after the world? Why resort to human reasoning? Why yield yourself to the devil? Why run in the path of sin? Why, why run from the Lord? Why reject God's word and God's way? If you don't do well, then what's going to become of you? See, remember, Cain deserved to be punished. But he didn't deserve the loving kindness and mercy of God. And God's coming to him and saying, why go on in your sin? Why go on week after week, month after month, and your heart's not right with God? And you don't love him, you're not living for him. I believe God's word came exactly at the right time for Cain. This was a voice of mercy. But at the same time, this was a righteous punishment because Cain had rejected a message of loving kindness and tender mercy from the Lord. This was a very merciful warning. The Lord had told Cain, if he would do right, then he would be accepted. He's told, and if thou dost not well, sin lieth at the door. Now, this was despite the fact that this young man was a rebellious young man. 
Listen to the word of God in 1 John chapter 3, verse 12. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him, because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. See, I have no doubt that this act hurt his family. Plunged his father and mother into the depths of grief and the depths of despair. Isn't it sad when you often get a division in a family, even in a good Christian home. This was a home of four. Three of them were saved. One was not. Cain was different. He was a man of the world. In fact, if we read 1 John chapter 3 and in the verse 14, we, we read there, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. And, and we read, whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. It's, it's important that we understand that even tonight, because the very fact that the New Testament mentions Cain, Hebrews 11 verse 4, 1 John 3 and 12, and Jude 11, that endorses the book of Genesis. Cain was a real historical figure. Cain was a real man. And we're told something about Cain that we're not told in the Old Testament. We have to wait to the New Testament near the end of the Bible that Cain was of the wicked one. He was guilty of wicked works. He was guilty of murdering his brother. And here's the New Testament and it affirms the, the, the truth and, and the fullness of the Genesis record. A true historical Incident in the context of a family lived in real time. You see, the Bible's true. The Bible's sure. The Bible is accurate and, and historical. And what had happened, we're told that the devil got a hold of Cain. Cain did not know God. The devil's hand was upon him. His heart was not right. That's why he slew his brother. His life was destroyed because of the power of the devil. The devil had a hold of his heart and life. And how many families are like this in Northern Ireland tonight? You see, this was a cold-blooded murder. It wasn't an accident. It was not something that Cain had no control over. This was a deliberate act. This was a wicked murder. His deeds were evil because he was off the wicked one. And, and, and he cut his brother down in cold blood in the field. And isn't there acts of murder continuing to this day? You think of the issue of abortion. Nine million babies in the United Kingdom since 1967. Think about the issue of terrorism. How many men and women were murdered in cold blood in Northern Ireland whose blood still cries for vengeance from the ground unto God. You think about those that have been murdered because of the issue of drugs and alcohol and, and maybe even debt to, 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 to some debt collector. What about the issue of persecution? Think about the persecution of the Christian church across the world. We don't hear, of course, in the media what's going on. But remember, the devil is at the back of it because he was a murderer and a liar from the beginning. Isn't it interesting tonight that death came to the young before it came to the old? Who was the first person to die in the Bible? It was Abel. Abel was a young man. He didn't outlive his father. He didn't outlive his mother. You see, he, he, he was to learn that death is but a, a step away. And yet here's God in grace, God in mercy, coming to the man who's of the wicked one, who has a wicked, rebellious heart. 
And he's given that individual an opportunity to repent and believe. He didn't deserve that. But, but he got it. And yet the amazing thing is this, that he, he refused that offer of that grace and mercy. He, he cast it back in the face of God. He, he, he acted wickedly. God showed him the right way. If you do well, he says, shalt thou not be accepted. God had shown him the right way. He was informed. This is, this is a gleam of light. This is a, a message of hope. It's not all lost. It's not all doom and gloom, Cain. Even though I've rejected your offering, if, if you come now with, with, with the offering of blood, you'll be accepted. See, here's the overture of grace and mercy. And we marvel. And yet Cain rejected that. Cain made another dreadful mistake. A, a, a real error this time. How can he be expected to be accepted by God? Not on the grounds of the works of his hands. Not without the blood sacrifice. It can't be done. Not by human reasoning and will worship. There's no other way to be saved. Now, now let me apply that tonight. There's many religious people in Northern Ireland just like Cain. Cain believed in God and so does many. They know of Jehovah. They know he's a God in heaven. Cain brought his offering unto the Lord. He believed in the very existence of God. He knew there was a time for worship, a set time. It says in our Bible there, in the process of time it came to pass, in the very end of days. Now, now, now think of that. There was a time set to approach God, to, to worship him, a specific time for worship. He was not an atheist. He was not an agnostic. But he was a rebel before God. You think of him being religious. Coming to the place of worship at the set time. Engaging in an offering unto the Lord. But all the while his heart is not right. He's off that wicked one. And isn't that true tonight all over the world? Isn't there a big show? Isn't there a great boast in human achievement? I would ask tonight, how is it with you? Are you like Cain? You've heard the word many times. You're faced with opportunity. God has come in grace and mercy. God says if you do well, will you not be accepted? And yet tonight, you're like Cain. You're full of self-will. You've this stubborn, rebellious streak within your heart. Despite the fact that God has been good to you. Despite the fact that God has been long-suffering to you, despite the fact that God has, has been forbearing with you. Now, now, why go on? God has spoken, and, and he's warned of consequences for not obeying. He has said, if you do not well, sin lieth at the door. It's ready to pounce, and, and you're near that. This was a, a righteous punishment. Very quickly, this was a real punishment. This punishment was undeniable. Um, there is a divine punishment for sin. This is the sentence of a holy and just God that he had sinned and loved righteousness. Cain had sinned against light. He had sinned against mercy. He was warned that sin lieth at the door. And he's given every opportunity. He's given the option to do well. He's warned of the consequences. If you do not well, 
See, there's no way to avoid these consequences of your sinful action and your sinful state. There's going to be no escape. Because the book says the soul that sinneth it shall die. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. Here's God's sentence. And this sentence was temporal because the ground was cursed. This, this sentence was spiritual because he was a vagabond and a fugitive in the earth. He, he was cut off from the very presence of the Lord. He had no fellowship with God. He had rejected that on the basis and the ground of the shed blood. And he was informed that God's sentence had an eternal aspect. And this sentence was real. Cain, of course, refused to take the sinner's place. He refused to own up to his sin. He could not see sin for what it is. He treated it as a light thing. And, and this punishment then was undeniable. Because there is a divine punishment for sin. Could I tell you something else? This punishment was unbearable. He says, my punishment is greater than I can bear. And the literal rendering is, mine iniquity is greater than that. It may be forgiven. It's almost as if Cain is mocking God when he said that. And yet I was thinking, who could fathom the punishment of a lost soul in hell for all eternity? You, you, you think tonight of the suffering of a lost soul in hell. Hell's a place of outer darkness. A place where there's no rest day or night. A place where there's a weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. The Bible says the rich man died and was buried and hell lifted up his eyes, being in torment. It's a place of torment. The Lord Jesus said, Fear not them which can kill the body, but rather fear him that hath power to throw both body and soul into hell. And over there in the book of Thessalonians, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, we read the words, the, the, these words, And to you who are troubled, rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. It's a place of everlasting burnings. The sufferings of it. Think about the separation in hell. Cut off from family. Cut off from friends. Even sinful companions. Cut off from a life of sin and yet suffering the torment of your own sin in your body. Cut off from God. You see, there's no record that Cain ever repented. There's no record that Cain ever believed the gospel. There's no record that Cain ever come to God in the right way and, and uh, was accepted by the Lord. This was also a place that's unescapable. The Lord Jesus asked the question, how can you escape the damnation of hell? And the, the answer is you can't. We've already heard reference about the breakout of the maze. And uh, you might have seen the film, The Great Escape, The Breakout of Colditz. And you might even think about The Great Escape from Alcatraz. I think there was two or three made it out uh, during all the time that that uh, prison establishment was in operation. I, I have no doubt that those that break out of prison had help on the inside. And uh, that was especially true of the breakout at the maze. 
but there's no exit from this place. This is like the place of no return. This is forever. There's a finality to this. This place, this punishment is undeniable. It's unbearable. And and this is unescapable. Let me tell you one other thing. This is a royal punishment. You see, whenever Cain said, my punishment is greater than I can bear, who did he say it to? He said it to the Lord. This was part and parcel of God's punishment. Even though it was at the start temporal, and it was a spiritual element to it, and eventually it was going to be eternal, this was all part and parcel of God's sentence of the sinner, God's treatment of the sinner. And I was thinking to myself of this. Could that not be the cry of a lost sinner in eternity? My punishment is greater than I can bear. Cain rejected the blood of the Lamb. Cain refused to take the sinner's place. Cain refused to let another die in his stead. He refused to substitute for sinners. He refused the sin bearer. He refused the sin offering. He refused the surety. He refused the sacrifice. He failed to set aside his pride. He refused to live by faith in the ground of the shed blood. And therefore he had to bear God's righteous, real, royal punishment. Could I say to you tonight as we finish, remember if we think about Calvary, the Lord Jesus bore the punishment of God's wrath for us on the tree. And remember, he's the substitute, the sin bearer, the sin offering, the surety, the sacrifice. And if you trust in him, he that believeth in him is not condemned. Isn't that tremendous? He that believeth not is condemned already, but he that believeth on him is not condemned. And if we could lift the lid out of hell tonight, I believe we could hear many cries similar to this one. Cain, who had trusted in his own works, whose works were evil, who who was of the evil one, who who had a form of religion, who was saying, I don't need a substitute, I don't need a sacrifice, I don't need a saviour, I'm not a sinner, because he never admitted his own guilt, and he never admitted he was unclean, even though his works were evil. And this was God's sentence of him. And it was a royal sentence. It was just, it was right, it was true, because of the way he lived But you don't have to go to hell tonight. You don't have to die in your sin. If you put your faith and trust in Christ, the sinner substitute, because he bore that sentence for everyone who trusts him. And if you trust him, then his righteousness is put to your account. And God treats you and accepts you the way he treated and accepted Abel through the ground of the shed blood and faith in that blood. I trust tonight you'll hear the roar of this ruined, rebellious young man. You'll think of these words, my punishment is greater than I can bear. And you'll remember this was righteous. This was real. It was happening to this young man. But this was a royal thing because this was God's sentence. May the Lord take these few thoughts and bless them to you this evening.